Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. We are actually going to start by watching a video. I thought you'd want to relax. Um, we don't sponsor John Lewis. If you're here a few weeks ago, we also showed John Lewis Abbott. We are looking at another John Lewis Abbott this evening from 2008, and hopefully it will help introduce what we're looking at. Um, so the tagline of this advert was, if you know the person, you will find the present. And that is in some sense what we're going to be looking at this evening. We're going to look at some characters in the Christmas story who knew just the right presents to bring to Jesus. Gifts that meant everything to who Jesus is. And so we're going to be looking at the wise men together. We have been sort of through Advent, um, going through a series called What to Sing at Christmas. And today as we look at the wise men, we're going to look at what song they teach us to sing. Each gift, as we'll see, tells us something about who Jesus is and therefore something about what kind of song we can sing to him at this time of year. And we're going to be thinking about two questions. Firstly, how on earth did the wise men know who Jesus was? And secondly, what do their gifts tell us about who Jesus is and then what to sing? So we're in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you might want to get that up. Not many people moving. If not, don't worry. The passage will appear on the screen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him as gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So what's going on in our story this evening? Well, verse 1 tells us that sometime after Jesus' birth, some magi came from the east. And often you see, don't you, when the children do that lovely nativity at Christmas, you see the wise men with the shepherds. Probably it was nothing like that. We reckon that the wise men may have even come up to two years after Jesus was born. Because remember when Herod later says he's going to kill the the 
babies, he says, up to two years old. So it may have been up to two years after Jesus was born that they came to visit him. And some wise men or some magi came from the east. And if you saw the picture at the beginning, how many wise men were in the picture? Three. Who reckons three wise men came to visit Jesus? Mm -mm. Probably there was loads. Because actually to travel with just three men was really, really dangerous. And it doesn't say anywhere in the text that there were three. There were three gifts. So probably it was a bit of a group of wise men that came from the east. Where's the east? Well, we reckon it's probably Arabia. That's what the east would have been described as. And the gifts that they bring are only, particularly to them, are only really found in Arabia. So sometime after Jesus' birth, a group of wise men or magi or astronomers came from probably Arabia to find the baby Jesus. And they come to a king called Herod, and he was the king of the Jews, a bit of a puppet king, a leader that the Romans had put sort of in charge of the Jews in Jerusalem. And the wise men come to him and ask him, where is the king of the Jews? And if you're paying attention, that is a pretty insulting thing to ask, because that's him. So they basically come to the king of the Jews and say, where's the king of the Jews? But we're not going to look at Herod um, today because that's sort of a whole other talk. But it's amazing that these guys who are from another country come to the king of the Jews and they seem to know exactly what's going on and he has no idea. He has to ask, he's the king of the Jews, but he has to ask men around him, "What? when will this baby be born? He has no idea. But these foreigners... These non-Jews seem to totally know what's going on. But have you ever thought why these wise men come? Why do these wise men travel so far? They're not Jews. So how on earth did they know to come? How did they know this stuff about this baby? How did they know there was going to be this special baby born in that place? They're from Arabia. Have you ever thought how strange that is? And I want us to think about that for a few moments. And verse 2 gives us an important clue. If you look at it, it says, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So according to these wise men, they traveled all this way, thousands of miles, a very expensive, very dangerous trip because they'd seen a star rise. Bizarre. Why did? Why was that a clue to them? It seems like these non-Jewish wise men had been reading and researching and come across something that told them that a, a star that rose would be really, really important and was worth them giving up a lot to go and see. It seems like they'd got hold of some kind of writings, probably Jewish prophetic, so writing about the future, some scriptures, and they'd got hold of them and they'd read them and they thought there is something important in here and we believe it and we want to give up a lot to go and find out who this baby is. I sort of asked the kind of question like how on earth did they get these writings? Who knows? Way back in Jewish history, a queen of Sheba, queen from Arabia, had also gone to see another king. I wonder whether she'd brought back with her some writings, some Jewish writings, and that's what they'd gotten hold of. Who knows? But it's clear they'd read something. 
they'd found something very important and it had, it had pricked their interest. So what might they have read? Well, I think Isaiah 60 gives us a clue. Isaiah had written thousands of years before about something that was going to happen in the future. And this is what he wrote. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Another way of translating that last line, it's translated like this in the ESV, is, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And verse 2 of our Matthew passage says, We saw his, saw his star when it rose, and kings to the brightness of your rising. It's the same language. In your translation, it might say in the east, because that's where the stars and the sun rise. It seems like these kings had read this passage, and they thought, This is important. This is telling us that something very significant is going to happen when a light rises. It's going to be a light that tells us that everything is changing. And nations will come and actually kings will come. The whole world will be changing forever. And these guys had read that and thought, that I we can't stay away. We, we can't let this go past. This is a moment in history and we need to be there where this is happening. Glory's coming in. God's breaking in. I wonder, have you ever been really, really desperate for something to happen? Whether it's Christmas, you're really excited. You're getting a very good present. I'm very excited. Maybe it's a friend visiting. You're going to see family. Sort of the anticipation that you feel when you're waiting for something. I remember um, waiting for Pete to ask me to marry him. And we actually were away on holiday. And we went, it's a little bit embarrassing, but we went out for this really, really, really amazing meal at this like incredible sort of restaurant hotel. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think he's going to ask me to marry him. And um, we then like went back to where we were staying and... Uh, he didn't ask me. And uh, I went to bed thinking, oh my gosh, what? He's just taken me, he's just spent loads of money on a really nice meal and he hasn't asked me. And I went to bed really, really grumpy. And when I woke in the morning, I was still grumpy and he came into my room, knocked on the door and proposed to me. And um, I was like, I was so excited and I wanted it so much that I was in a really bad mood when he actually, and it was like, it took me a moment to be like, okay, stop being in a bad mood. He's actually done it, so you're fine. Um, imagine being a people who'd waited to be free from an enemy for so so, so long. That anticipation is nothing compared to the people of God's anticipation for the rescuer, the Messiah to come. They'd read scriptures like this scripture in Isaiah and so many more that told them that one day everything would change. One day they'd be set free from all their oppressors. God would return. They'd have a king again. The good times, it'd be even better than they'd had before with a wonderful king who'd rule with righteousness and mercy and justice. They were desperate. The Romans were oppressing them. They were waiting 
for the promised one. And although the wise men weren't part of Israel, it seemed that they too were waiting desperately for this moment. Even though they, they read these writings and it, it seemingly wasn't for them, they seemed to know somehow actually it would affect them when this king came. When the king of the Jews would come, even them as foreigners, their whole lives would be turned upside down. And they were waiting desperately, you can imagine, until the stars come today. I've seen it. I think this is the moment. We've been waiting. We've got to get ready and we've got to go. They knew that that moment meant the glory of God and the blessings of God and the power of God was invading earth when that star rose and they wanted to be a part of it. And I wonder whether they they knew that it wasn't going to just be freedom from the Romans. But they knew actually they needed freedom from an enemy far greater and far worse than that, the enemy of sin and death. And they knew that they needed that kind of king to come. So how did they know who Jesus was? Well, it seems like they'd read some writings like Isaiah 60 and they had the wisdom to know that this baby was worth visiting, spending money, time, and risking their whole lives on such a journey. But have you ever thought about why they bring those gifts? Why do they bring gold, frankincense, or incense, and myrrh? Because do you remember the video we watched at the beginning? If you know the person, you'll find the presence. So they seem to know who Jesus was. So why were these gifts so important? Well, strangely, it's Isaiah 60 that helps us a little bit more. If you read a bit further on, there we go. it says, Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba, Arabia, will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. I'm pretty sure they read this passage. That is too many coincidences, isn't it? They'd read that and they thought, I know what we need to bring. We, remember, it says we need to bring gold and incense. Isaiah predicted that as the light rose, there'd be people that came from Arabia bring gold and incense and wanting to praise and worship the Lord. And that is exactly what happened. So what do these gifts tell us about who Jesus is? Well, firstly, we have gold. Gold would have been a gift for a king or royalty, someone rich and important. And so you can imagine they were like, right, this this guy is going to be a king. What do we bring him? Well, we need to bring him gold. That's the gift that's worthy of this kind of baby. We need to bring him something precious, treasured, expensive. They knew that this baby was going to be a ruler. He was going to be sovereign. He was going to be powerful. He was going to be mighty. And they knew that he was going to rule over the peoples. And we see in Revelation 19.16 that that is exactly how Jesus is described. It says, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They knew this baby for sure was going to be a mighty king and gold was the only present to bring to this baby. So what do we sing to him? Well, we sing a song of kingship. This baby was a king, and that is what's, what he's worthy of. 
But more than that, they also bought incense. Incense, if you don't know, is something, or frankincense, is something that's used in worship. That's the only real place um, incense is used. It's been used throughout history to worship God. And so to bring incense to this baby tells us the wise men knew he wasn't just going to be a king, but somehow he was going to have something to do with the worship of God. That somehow he was going to have an important role with how we worship God. Somehow he was going to be a priest because incense is needed by a priest. That's what they needed to bring him. What does that mean? What does a priest do? Well, a priest takes men to God in prayer and in sacrifice and takes God's word to men. So somehow that is what they knew Jesus would do. He was going to be a priest taking us to God in prayer and sacrifice and God's word to us. And that is exactly what the Bible tells us Jesus is, a priest. Hebrews 4 verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Jesus would bring a sacrifice to God so that we could know him. He'd bring God's word to us, to humankind, and he'd take us to God in prayer. And so these gifts tell us the wise men knew this baby, this king of the Jews, is going to be king and priest. They're declaring the identity of this child. And so what song should we sing? Well, a song of kingship and a song of priesthood. But what about the myrrh? Did you notice in the Isaiah passage, it's, it's not there. So if they're trying to work out what to do, they read it and they say, okay, gold and incense, why on earth did they think of bringing myrrh? After all, myrrh is to embalm the dead. It's just odd. Why would you bring a baby something to embalm the dead? How on earth did they know that? Well, I think if they read Isaiah 60, they'd probably read a few more passages, and I wonder whether they'd read Isaiah 53. It says this, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Perhaps they'd read a passage a bit like that. And while the people of God read things like that and had no idea that that's the kind of Messiah they would get, these men were wise and they, they knew this this is the kind of king and so we need to bring him there because he's not just going to be king and he's not just going to be priest he's actually going to be the sacrifice somehow they knew and I, I don't know how much they really knew I mean reading this I don't know I don't know how much they got what it would look like but somehow they understood that this baby was going to grow up and be pierced for their transgressions. 
They knew it's so worth us traveling because this baby is going to bring us peace. He's going to be pierced for our sin. They knew that 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 baby would be a sacrifice that would mean that they would be reconciled to God. They knew his life would be a sin offering for their sin. This baby would be both priest and the sacrifice. We're going to sing a little bit later um, the famous carol, We Three Kings. And there's a verse in that, I don't know whether you've ever noticed it, that says these words, Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrow, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. It's a little bit of a morbid message. But the reality is that though Christmas is a festive, wonderful time of celebration because the Messiah has come, overshadowing it is Easter. We celebrate just a few months later the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And at Christmas we so often forget, don't we? We think of this baby, but we forget why he came, that the kings knew exactly what he was coming for. They knew he was coming to be a sacrifice. They'd read writings that told them much further in the future than just the birth. They knew that 33 years after, this baby would die. And so not only at Christmas should we sing a song of kingship, a song of priesthood, but actually there's that bittersweet sort of sense to it where we sing a song of sacrifice. And I just think what is incredible, I've, I've mentioned it already, but what's incredible about this story is that this is Gentiles, non-Jews, from far, far away that God chose to speak to. And for me, that brings such hope because that's me. I'm far away. I'm not a Jew. And yet the message goes to them. They understood far more than almost anyone in the Christmas story who this baby was, that it was right to sing to him a song of kingship, priesthood, and sacrifice. And do you know what's also, I think, kind of humorous about the story is that I wonder whether they realized as they bought those gifts that though they, they'd got it right, actually before them was the very gift that they needed themselves. Because God knew throughout history the exact gift that they would need and that we would need. He, know, he knew them so well. He knows us so well that he knows exactly the gift this Christmas time that we need. And for them, it was right before them. As they brought their gifts, he was there. God has known throughout all history what or who we need. And it's a saviour, a messiah, a king, a priest, and a sacrifice. And he was waiting for that exact moment to give the exact perfect gift. The truth is this Christmas is that God knows you. Wherever you're at, whatever is going on in your life, whether you would say you know God or not, the truth is is that God knows you. And he knows what you need. But I guess the question is whether we receive that gift or not. When we get a gift, we can choose to open it or not. And God's gift to us is his son. 
but there's a receiving and opening that we have to do in order to receive who he is and what he brings to us. And I want to ask you whether you have done that, whether you're doing that, whether you're approaching Christmas with that kind of attitude. I want to receive Jesus again. I want to receive the gift God has for me. Do you know who he truly is? Do you know that he is king of kings? Do you know he is the great high priest and do you know he is the sacrifice for your sin and will you receive him? In turn, what will you bring to him? Did you notice that at the very end of the story, the kings kind of bring another present? They bring gold, frankincense and myrrh, but then they bring something else. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They bring worship. And worship is like surrender. It, we, we sing to express worship. It, it isn't worship. We, we sort of say that, but it's just a sign of worship. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of devotion. It's a sign of love. And somehow as they bow down, they bring their gifts. They worship. I, I have no idea what it looked like. Maybe they danced. Maybe they did sing. I don't know. But what they did was pour out their hearts in worship to him. And that is something we can do this Christmas. We can worship Jesus. And we're going to sing now. And that might be a way for you to express your worship to him. And listen, if you're not a Christian here, this is just a wonderful moment for you to consider what you think of Jesus. Because he's everywhere at Christmas. Even even if it's a Christmas tree, Christmas angel, the reality is, is Christmas is about Christ is about Jesus and this is the perfect moment for you to consider what you think of him and what you'll receive and bring to him. So as we worship, I'd really encourage you to do that. Why don't we stand and I'll pray for us. Father, thank you so much um, for this time of year. That It's wonderful that we have this moment every year to be reminded so powerfully of the story of you sending your son into the world to rescue us. We have this time off and we have such sort of extravagant celebrations. We have a wonderful meal. We give gifts to one another. We have space and sort of a marker to remember and we... We know we so easily get distracted, but we ask, God, would you help us really remember what this time is all about? Would you remind us who this baby is? Would you remind us of his kingship? Would you remind us of his priesthood, the way he he brings us to you and brings your word to us so amazingly? And would you remind us of how he is our sacrifice? how he's dealt with sin and death. And I pray for each of us, would we receive Christ at Christmas? Would we even do that now? Pray for those of us who have maybe never quite done that before. Would you help us know how to receive Jesus into our hearts, to trust in who he is and what he's done? So receive our worship, the the only gift that is really worthy of you our whole self, our whole surrender, all of our hearts given to you, Jesus. Amen.